Vodka. 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 Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and you're listening to Vodka O'Clock Podcast on AmberUnmasked.com. And, um, you know, just uh, a reminder that sometimes the show is 18 plus. The website is definitely 18 plus. Um, and so if you're under that age, you probably shouldn't be hanging around me anywhere. Um, <laughs> so joining me today, we have Claire Connolly, and it's her first time on the show, and Erica Schultz, who's returning, yay. and they're going to, yay, they're going to talk about their awesome project and all the other cool stuff that they have going on, because they're very busy people. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you so Thank much you. for having us. Yeah. So um, how, I'm wondering how much we can talk about this project of yours without spilling all of the details and spoiling everything. Well, first, did you like it? I did. I was completely taken aback. I had no idea where it was going. And I was like, huh, what do you know? Yeah, it's... I was just, like, very shocked. I was like, I can't... This is... Okay, now I know where we are. I'm in here. I'm going with you. It's so different from anything else that I've ever done. And, you know, but Claire does all these amazing comics all the time, and they're sci-fi and all different, you know, existential, like, super smart stuff that I thought, you know, hey, I write a book about, like, a woman who kills people. So maybe I'm going to write a book about Winston Churchill time traveling. <laughs> like, right. That's the thing. Like I knew Claire's work from uh, her talking animals projects with Eric Grissom. Mm-hmm. So um, Claire, can you just give like uh, people a little rundown of what that project is so that they, they know maybe they've heard of it. Uh, yeah. Animals is kind of like um, in a world, it's kind of like animal farm ish where it's like, you know, clearly talking animals, but it's not like, Bambi or something like that, because um, no one's mom gets shot or anything. Um, but <laughs> they're not happy. They are not happy. I know they're not happy, but no mothers get shot in the book as of yet. Um, but it's um, about a world where um, animals eat people, but it's not kind of just like a side story of it. But it's really just about like these people living in a small town and just kind of like trying to survive and escape. So. Yeah, I know that because you, you you sort of touch on uh, like your version of racism, mm-hmm. like you know the pigs and the chickens hanging out and chatting, yeah, and like that. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool project because pigs like each one was like a separate. Yeah, it's like a three. It's gonna be like three or four short stories, but they all take place in the same town, and some of the characters will be like um, overlapping in certain aspects. Um, I just finished illustrating the second one, Pigs, so that should be coming out pretty soon-ish. That's cool. Yeah. I know I've got a sneak peek at that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, So this book is, I'm sorry, I'm echoing a little bit. Um, This is Churchill, and (laughs) it's weird, and as long as you're strapped in and ready for weird, you're good to go. Um, so, Erica, what um, we I think we can talk. Where the fuck did this come from? Is that what? <laughs> we, yeah. What were you on? Do you have the flu and a lot of Nyquil? <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I I work it at a studio with a comic book artist, a master artist, and he is pretty famous for using reference. I mean, that's one of the. He's an amazing artist, and one of the things that he always says is, you know you need to use reference if you want things to look real. And that's absolutely true. And so one of my jobs, you know, aside from doing backgrounds and stuff for him is also to find him reference. And he always asks me for like the most 
bizarre kinds of reference. So like one day he's like, I need a photograph of a dinosaur. And I said, oh, so you need a photograph of some dinosaur bones. He says, no, I need a photograph of a dinosaur. I'm like, but photography wasn't invented a hundred years ago. <laughs> and he's like, stop being a smart ass. Just give me a photo of a dinosaur. I was like, I'm, I'm trying and I can't. So, I mean, we had this, like, sort of back and forth, and he's like, Jurassic Park, Eric. I was like, oh, so you want screen grabs of Jurassic Park? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had joked around with Claire, and I said, you know, someday he's going to ask me for because he always says, it's the Internet. You can find anything on the Internet, which is true. But uh, I, I'm sure that wasn't there, like, dinosaur erotica that was making a video? There deal? is dinosaur erotica. <laughs> Two college kids are making, like, $80,000 a year writing – Human females having sex with dinosaurs. Oh, my We're God. We're not making this up. And their Poor covers old. are so poorly photoshopped. That's my biggest That's problem with it. part of the magic, though. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be so magical. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, so I had made a joke to Claire about uh, how someday he's going to ask me for a photograph of Winston Churchill riding a dinosaur through Parliament. And Claire said that would make an amazing commission. I was like, go for it. So she made this fantastic commission, which is the cover of the book. And I waited months and months and months until we finally saw each other, which was free comic book day, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah. Saw each other free comic book day at the comic book shop in Delaware, which is a fantastic shop. If you've never been, go to Wilmington, Delaware, go to the comic book shop. It's run by uh, a couple, Patrick and Sarah, and they've got a ton of ladies on, on staff. And they're amazing and very friendly to everybody. And they have everything there. They have everything. Captain Blue Hen? Is that what that's called? What? Is that Captain Blue Hen comics or is that different? I don't know. I don't know about Captain Blue Hen. I do know that that pretty much come as you are, pet friendly. I've never read a comic book in my life and I want to read. I want to start reading comic books. Let me walk in and ask you know, a stupid question, friendly, like they're, they're awesome. So we were there for free comic book day. And that's when Claire gave me this commission and Claire's sister Paige, who's also an illustrator said, you guys need to make a, a, a story about this. I'm like, all right. So like three hours later, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I like come back. That is some magic. I come back with like some, some notes and I'm like, I'm going to type these up and I'll email you tomorrow. And, uh, and that was, that was that. That's why, cause I was, I was wondering why Churchill <laughs> and, um, and then I was going to ask you why Velociraptors, um, because, the, but then you, you know, earlier you, you, you know, we were talking, uh, off mic and saying that, uh, you have these connections to London and yes. so, um, so I was like, okay, well maybe Churchill's not that extreme for, for you, you know, other like we've seen, uh, every possible crazy incarnation of abraham lincoln (laughs) vampire hunter Uh, zombie hunter whatever yeah so i was just wondering why you didn't go you know more american traditional well i think churchill's also churchill's very larger than life both physically and in personality and uh, and i kind of like the idea of this like physically imposing guy being all like With his big stogie in his mouth, you know, kind of, kind of Nixon. Now that I think about it, we should have gone Nixon. Oh, that would have been so I, magical. 
That would have been one of the ones that I was thinking of. I was like, Nixon or Lincoln, what, you know, and or something bizarre, like Taft, you know. <laughs> who was the guy who got stuck in his own bathtub? Was that Taft? Yeah, I think so, right? I think so. Or or Gerald Ford always had accidents. the guy with the little glasses and the mustache? That described, he like... Fat. He was fat. He was fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That described, like, 20 out of, out of 46 presidents. <laughs> little glasses and a mustache. And he was white. And he, yeah, yeah, okay. That narrows it down. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, you'll just have to have a sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because the time machine can pop up anywhere. Well, I mean, the velociraptors could go and meet Nixon. Yeah, totally. That would totally happen. They find, yeah. they find a way to get, to get boats, to make boats. <laughs> well, they would probably fly on pterodactyls or something. Oh, see, but see, that's. See now you're now you're like actually thinking. I didn't think too hard about this. <laughs> but with the pterodactyls being part of like enslavement, because it's like a dinosaur riding yeah. a dinosaur. That's like a human riding a human. I, yeah, that sounds I'm good. I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> but you know the T Rexes were having a little trouble there. Yeah, they, well it's because of their little arms. Yeah. It's because, you know, there's only so much that you can do with your tiny little arms. Like, if you actually saw the script, I I would write <laughs> things like, like, let's pull out all the T-Rexes, the T-Rex tropes. Motherfuckers can't, can't punch with their tiny little arms. And let's get this fat fuck out of this thing. Like, and I mean, I was just, I was, it was probably the most unprofessional script on the planet. Like, that's probably not what I should ever submit to, like, anything like Marvel or DC. <laughs> It's like artist choice. What do you want the fat jowly man to say? <laughs> so, but what can you do? It's it's Winston Churchill, you know. He's he's an interesting character. Well, I figured he was interesting to draw because, like, you were talking about his features and everything. Uh, Cl- like Claire, did you have any say, or was the script handed to you with Churchill? Uh, I mean, as Erica said, she kind of was just like, and then like just draw because there's two pages just make them happen so i was like oh okay <laughs> and then i just feel like i like that because i don't really like being told what to do too much um so i like churchill because he has a weird face and i love drawing like cigars and just like massive amounts of smoke around so it was like pretty much a match made in heaven it's like some old wrinkly dog face and a cigar right draw a bulldog smoking a cigar god damn it once the commission was done, then at that point, there was no question it was going to be Churchill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, but yeah, your style, you have that um, the, the uh, ink wash mm-hmm. water, watercolor look. So that works with, like, smoke and water really well. And rain. Rain, yeah. Like, I mean, it's just... That was the first time I did rain. And I was like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's awesome. I, I, I adore your work. Thank you. So how did you two actually, like, partner up if you knew each other before Free Comic Book Day? Where did we meet each other? We met each other... Asbury Comic the first one. Oh, yeah, that's right, in the Dirty Bowling Alley. Yeah, and your mom was there. She was the most popular person at the time. (laughs) That's right, my mom came to to the... The Dirty Bowling Alley. My mom comes to Asbury Park Comic Con in a dirty bowling alley. Uh, And it was, like, the day before Mother's Day, I think, too. Oh, my gosh. And... And I'm like, hey, mom, why don't you come and hang out with me in a dirty bowling alley? I got to say, that dirty bowling alley has got the best burgers, though. No, but it's a dirty bowling alley, but it's, like, an important dirty bowling alley. Yeah. Like, it has a bar in it. 
and there's good food and punk bands play there. Like exactly. that's the kind of dirty bowling alley I want to be in. Well, the I do have to say that I think they opened the bar a little too early because by like one o'clock that day, people were falling down drunk. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other con you can really do that. It wouldn't be Asbury Park if you weren't. It, well, that's true. That is true. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be Asbury Park if it wasn't in a dirty bowling alley. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Well, and that's what's interesting is that show has expanded so much that they're moving out of that town, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. It's like I. It's weird. But it's like I thought it was all about Asbury Park, and now they're gone. Oh well. Well, like, yeah. So they're. If anybody's looking for it, it'll be at the Meadowlands, I believe. Yeah. Next year. Um, yeah, apparently they just they had issues with the, the hotel that they were in because they had eventually moved into, you know, from the Durley Bowling Alley into a convention center from there into a hotel like they every year they're in a different place. And it's, that's kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. But maybe someday they'll find something that works for them. Well, like because they originally they did one in convention hall and I live in Asbury. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that was pretty know. shitty. Um, so like, I don't know, there's something wrong with like the fire code and there used to be like roller derby and stuff there, too. Um, but in all the that dirty stuff, bowling alley? Not in the dirty bowling alley in convention hall, no. where the uh, after the dirty bowling alley was held. Yeah, that the building that literally was like not on the code and was gonna fall around, fall down around our ears. Yeah, because like the hurricane, they were like shoveling out like mountains of sand after the hurricane, and it was like the first event there, and it definitely like wasn't ready. It still kind of isn't really ready for anything. <laughs> It had a lovely view, though, if you went up to the upper rafters where there were actual windows. That was about the only good thing I could say about it. Was, it was a nice, nice view up there. But, you know, it was a crappy old building. I mean, it looked like the kind of cool old building that, like, you would do a scary horror-themed photo shoot in. Or, like, do one of those uh, haunted houses. Yeah, like a haunted That's house cool. or something. Like, it would be perfect for that kind of stuff. I mean, it definitely was a building with character. Mm-hmm. But it looked dangerous as hell. No, it, a chunk of the ceiling fell off because there used to be a bar on the outside, <laughs> and a chunk of the ceiling like fell out, fell off onto like people's heads. Nice. Yeah, classy, classy joints. <laughs> so obviously, Claire and I hang out at classy places, and that's where we met each other. <laughs> I see. I'm sure it was at the Four Seasons. <laughs> <laughs> You're waiting for your souffle to come out. Of course, with my white wine. Your Chardonnay. Chardonnay? Yep. That's my I think, I think, yeah, Chardonnays are white wines, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're white. I don't, I don't shit about wines. I know they come from grapes, and people step on them, and Lucy steps on them. That's all I know. Oh, see, now, now your your podcast husband, Jimmy Aquino, wouldn't he be upset with us? Yeah, he was definitely, oh, we forgot to be like, Jimmy Aquino is awesome. We love, we love you, Jimmy. Love you, Jimmy. <laughs> um, no, Jimmy would totally be upset, because Jimmy... Although he doesn't have, like, the certificate to say he's a sommelier, he basically is. Like, he knows, like, all different kinds of wines and different kinds of liquor and what type of food should go with what. I mean, he's very, very knowledgeable about that stuff. So, yeah, I'm. he would be very, very upset with me to say I, I didn't know that a Chardonnay was white or I was un, I was unsure of it. So. I drink boxed wine, so <laughs> <laughs> you and my grandmother, you and my nonna are like the two people that drink boxed wine. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's five dollars and it gets you a long way. <laughs> I could see Claire just sitting at the edge of her bed, like <laughs> just like opening it up like it's like freaking tap and just be oh. <laughs> Well, when you make comics the way I do, you kinda need it. Just like your boxed wine and some sadness and some paper. What kind of comics do you read? 
Let's talk about this. Um, I read a lot of sci-fi stuff, like uh, Prophet, and I read like Trillium and The Wake. And I read all like weird indie stuff at like I get at like uh, independent conventions and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I read weird shit. <laughs> cool. Good, you know, and they should get they should get a plug if you you know whenever you see that kind of neat weird stuff. Yeah. I was at a, a mystery writers convention and I met an indie guy. He was just like he heard me talking to somebody else. And he goes, "Hey, I heard you talking about comics," and he came over and gave me his books. I was like, this is nice. This is when <laughs> this is when comics is nice. Yeah, that's one thing I like about indie conventions like FBX and like Mocha Fest is like people are really open with just being like, oh, you make comics too. Let's trade. Like blah blah blah. At like larger conventions, I feel like it's more like um, every man for themselves kind of, and just being like, I'm trying to make my table money back. Get away from me. <laughs> like, yeah, the table fees are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so yeah. many conventions now. There's like. Every city has one, and then they have a regular superhero-y convention, and then they have, like, an independent small press convention. I'm just like, and everyone's like, oh, are you going to this one? It's like, dude, I don't make money. Like, I work in retail. I don't have money. Yeah, I know. Chicago. Well, you're not, you're not Erica rolling in that big revenge money. Oh, don't even go there. <laughs> don't even go there. I, please, if only, if only I read my contract before I signed. No, I'm just kidding. Let's, tell tell me about revenge though. How did you how did you end up there? Um, well, I had I had been sort of gently courting uh, an editor at uh, at Marvel and talking to an editor at Marvel, and I had sent her copies of M three. And when I was at San Diego last year, I had uh, I went to the uh, breaking in the Marvel way panel, and uh, I had spoken to Axel, and I gave a copy of M three to um, to CB. C.B. Sabolsky, the, uh, well, he was the talent scout. I don't know what his new position is now. Like, all hail the lord and master or something. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, but, uh, so I had, I had sort of been courting one of the editors there, and uh, I was kind of turned into the village bicycle. Like, she was passing my book around to another editor who passed it to another editor, and, like, it was back and forth. Um, and then I got a call randomly in January from another editor who I had never even heard of who said, oh, well, I got your book from so-and-so who got it from so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, um, this book is really well read. Unless they went out and bought another copy, this book is probably falling apart. Um, and, you know, we have this, uh, we're doing a an original graphic novel based on the TV show Revenge. It's on ABC. And uh, is that something you'd be interested in writing? And I'm like, Hmm. Let me think about this. <laughs> Writing for Marvel. Two seconds. Uh, yes. <laughs> and she called me while I was at work, too, so I couldn't get too excited. Because, like, I'm in the middle of doing something like, I, it wasn't, you know, looking up pictures of dinosaurs, but it was something similar to that. And I'm, like, looking up stuff, and I'm like, mm-hmm, this sounds very interesting. You know, like, <laughs> stifling my absolute excitement and the, the want to sort of jump out of my seat. Um... But yeah, I mean, I I was working very heavily with the production, uh, with all the producers and the TV writers in the beginning, uh, and then I sort of went off and and did some of my own stuff, and then we've been going back and forth and back and forth, and it's coming out in September, so it's the first weekend in uh, first week in September. It's September third, which happens to be my wedding anniversary too, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> For revenge, we're we talking about revenge, exactly. 
Um, and so, uh, so yeah, and San Diego, there's going to be um, a little preview that they're printing up for San Diego. So I'm not sure if there's going to be a signing at San Diego or not. The, the TV people keep saying, oh, yeah, we're going to do this signing. I'm like, okay, when, where? And they're like, we'll get back to you. And then, like, three weeks go by, and I don't hear anything. I'm like, you know what? You have my phone numbers. Just text me and tell me where I need to be. <laughs> nice. So are you going there anyway? Yeah, I was going to San Diego anyway. Um, and then they said, oh, well, you, since you're going to be there, it's like, you mean mean if I if I wasn't going, would you maybe have paid for my ticket, my hotel or something? You know. Well, that would have been nice that been to nice. actually I'm, invite you. I'm not to pushing my luck, you know. I, baby steps, baby steps. But this is a super happy story because a lot of times when you're going up and you're handing editors and publishers, you know, your own creator own projects and stuff, uh, like, you know, whether whether it's a, a single issue or, or or something, just your business card, you don't you just assume that they're going to throw it in a bag or throw it on the floor and it'll just get swept up with the con crud that, you know, as the cleaning crew comes by. Yeah. So this like made its rounds through a whole bunch of people, which is really kind of bizarre. And and I'm I'm thrilled. Um, and I think that's why I tell people, you know, but I mean, at the same time, I was also emailing these editors like at least once every 10 to 12 days, 14 days saying, hey, you know, happy Thanksgiving. You know, I hope all is well. You want to get together for a cup of coffee, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, a lot of it is luck, dumb luck. A lot of it is perseverance. And that's that's kind of what I tell people. I'm like, you know, you have to follow up with people. You can't just hand them your book, hand them your card, and then never speak to them again. So it is it is a bit of a learning a learning experience. And and, and it is it was a lot different writing with writing for somebody else's characters was a big thing because the TV shows, I think already on, they're going to be starting their fourth season. So they already have characters that they've established. So I had to sort of read through um, their character bios and watch a lot of revenge on Netflix <laughs> and uh, just to get the voice of the characters. Cause you know, I want to make sure that what I'm writing is going to come out of their mouths. I want to be really snarky and I don't want to put you on the spot because it's not cool to like insult other people in the business and all, but it's like, we're chatting, we're casual. Nobody, none of those big companies pay me anything. So, but I mean, you know, you got lucky and you're talented and you had a really good product to give them as opposed to being married to somebody in the business. Well, that's the thing. I mean, my, my husband's not in the business and I mean, if if anything, I'm hoping he gets work out of the out of the TV people because he's a film and television editor. So if anything, I'm hoping I'm hoping he can, you know, get in because he's married to me. Um, That would be really super. Plus, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. And he and his baked goods are amazing. They really are. Anytime you see Erica's table, she will unless they're gone, because I don't eat just one (laughs) when I go by there's like cookies so, or bana- we had banana bread that bread. one time and you know just don't makes- start sending out muffin baskets to everyone <laughs> just be like muffins for, for the world hire me on like you know <laughs> get some of that you know fondant writing on there exactly exactly well there was this uh great article about this guy who 
turned around and he was just graduating from college in Toronto, I believe. And he turned around and he brewed, like did like a home brew of beer and he sent six packs out to all these different companies. And on the, um, on the, uh, the case of the beer and on the label was his resume. I just saw that, that there was an article on that. I don't know if it was. Canadians are so smart. (laughs) You know, and that's the thing, especially if you're going after a creative job. You know, like I've, I've seen resumes by artists and they're amazing because it's by an artist. They're allowed to doodle all over their fucking resumes. And it looks great. Exactly. And it's, and it's wonderful. And I'm like, I'm like, can I like put my headshot on mine? Like, what can I do? (laughs) That's what you're supposed to do. I thought you're supposed to have your headshot and then on the back is your resume. I felt Wait. like that's what actors and models did. Yeah, that's for for modeling. I do, but not for oh, you yeah, know finding office work. Like, why are you sending your headshot to an office? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Am I supposed to be I doing can... this? What am I... <laughs> that's look at this face, jobs, Claire. That's <laughs> like you saying this because my face. <laughs> look at this face. I can make you call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what can you do? I don't even have to make the coffee. I just have to stock the coffee. I don't have to. We have a Flavia machine. I don't know. If that's yeah, that's all we have. We have the Flavia. So it's like I just have to make sure that the packets are filled. <laughs> that there's sugar. I don't even have to do that. Somebody else does that. And they're just like, hey, Erica, you're sitting next to a phone right there. I'm like, yeah, so are you. Make the call and order this. I'm like, all right, whatever. While I'm looking up photographs of dinosaurs. <laughs> So how did you, um, I want to talk to you both about time management. Now, I, I mean, Churchill, it sounds like you, you you banged out Churchill pretty fast. Claire is freaking ridiculous. She's a machine and she's cloned herself. There's no possible human way that she could have gotten the pages done as fast as she did unless she's cloned. Well, I do have a twin. I know uh-huh. you have a twin, but, but Paige's style is different from yours. Yeah, I don't know. Like... I guess when I went to college, because I went for, like, illustration stuff, you have, uh, like, you don't have all the time in the world to make everything, like, I don't know, my style's not perfect, so I guess it helps, but, like, slave <laughs> over and be like, I'm an artist, and I'm spending 48 hours on this painting, and it's going to be my life's work, like, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, okay, I need to, like, get this shit done and make it look awesome. I just call it getting shit done scale. Like, it's the most important skill you can have in life. It's just, like tune everything out and just like sit down and log in some hours and get drawing done. I mean, maybe it helps your box wine. Yeah. Drink your box wine. Maybe it helps. I don't really like my regular job. So I get home just like, God damn it. I need to draw my way out of this hell hole. So there you go. Yeah. But I, I mean, but it's nice to hear that you work in retail because so many people do and they think that it's like that they're failing in comics because they have to have a, another job, especially a shitty retail job or whatever, like, you know, my yeah. job. I mean, I, I mean, I, what do you consider, like, what would, do you, I mean, you've, you have books out. Mm-hmm. What, when do you consider yourself successful in comics? Um, when I'm writing Captain America. <laughs> when I am Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> um, that happens. I, I know, right? Got to get that Captain America steroid stuff. I know, right? That's what's it? The serum, yeah. the super serum, super soldier serum. Yeah, nothing says superhero just like some, you know, some giant <laughs> roid rage. Um, I don't mind Chris Evans' roid rage. <laughs> I don't think anyone minds it. I'm just putting it out there. 
But I, but I want to hear your words of encouragement about what you think um, when you've reached success in comics. Because, I, I mean, I have some friends out there who, um, you know, they go through these real deep black holes sometimes, and it's, it's usually the artists. It's not, sometimes it's the writers, but it's almost always the artists. We're all damaged. We're, yeah, we are yeah. pretty pretty brutal. Like, the writers are just going to drink. Like, I don't know what artists do. Um, but we swallow in self-pity because we... We have just boxed wine, so there's barely any alcohol content in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> She's drinking, like, wine coolers. Um, I'm drinking some Dr. Pepper right now. There's no alcoholic beverage here. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pepper endorsed me. Dr. Pepper, it's the greatest. It um, probably costs more than her wine. Probably. True. Um, I think as far as, like, being successful or whatever, um, you know, whatever, um, is, for me, it's, like, comics is one of those things that like eventually in life I know I'll be making a living off of, but I guess each year you have to define success for yourself or you're just going to be like, there's going to be too many peaks and valleys where you're just going to be like, Oh fuck. Like I'm totally screwed. So-and-so doesn't care about my book or whatever. But if you're just making stuff for other people to like care about what you're making, then you're going to feel like crap because you're not making what you want. So I say success is just like making what you want and hoping that other people like it, but not making art for people to like. I don't know. I guess, yeah. I making I, stuff for yourself, but hoping other people yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's actually really, really good. I mean, one of the things that I, that I always tell people is that, you know, you know, you, if you have a story to tell, whether it's through art or through, you know, writing or whatever, Tell your story because the world is a really, really big fucking place. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, we have all gotten to a point where you're just like, nobody in this world could possibly know what I'm feeling. And it's like, guess what? There's people in this world who can possibly know what you're feeling and they have felt what you're feeling. And if you put that in a poem, in a painting, in a comic, in whatever, um, somebody else is going to read that is going to see that and it's going to touch them. And if you make that connection just with one person, I mean, that's enormous. I mean, are you familiar with Dean Tripp's something terrible? Who me? Yes. Oh goodness. Yeah. That's an amazing book. Amazing book. And so powerful, so raw, so brave to have put out there. And, you know, I, I said to him, I was like, you know what? People who are married or in relationships with people who've been sexually abused have no idea how how to get into the head of their partner. And looking at this book, seeing this book, reading this book will not only help those who have been abused, but help their partners, help their friends, help other people, help them being understood in general. And I thought that that was just so important that he did that. And it was just so amazing. It's just such a phenomenal, phenomenal book. And I, and I tell anybody, I say, I challenge anybody. I challenge the hardest of hardest people to read that book and not burst out crying. Oh, yeah, that was a tough one. And it was, it just, was. It, it was just so raw, but so amazing. So, so, I mean, you know, he put something out there and he put it out for himself. And guess what? It touched so many people. Yeah, because this was um, it was at first a short story comic that mm-hmm. he had on his website, and it was a tip jar, right? Yeah, I believe Wasn't so. It, yeah, I think it was just a tip jar, 
And then, you know, the buzz got around about this. And that's when it became this a much bigger project that you could um, that you could back formally and expand. I believe he was expanding it and adding content and stuff. Yeah. And then I think he kickstarted it in order to put it uh, in print. Yeah. So it was cool because, yeah, I mean, I think the that was, you know, and it, and I don't think you need to break people's hearts to have a, a pay what you want tip jar type thing mm-hmm. because plenty of people are doing it these days and they seem to be doing well. I don't know. There were just numbers that came out about the, the humble bundle that dynamite did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently it was like ridiculous. I mean, it was something like what? 500,000 or something. Yeah. Wow. It was some like ridiculous number. It was crazy. Um, which is nice. You know, the, it gets out there to the, you know, to everybody. You know, everybody has the the opportunity then. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> what I coughed. So now we're now that we're down. Yeah, now that we're, we're down. Segway. Sorry, I'm 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 the I'm the killjoy. I mean, that's my that's my job. All right. Well, here, you know, okay. So it's this is a rare opportunity that I get a writer and an artist at the same time. I, I, it's such a great threesome we have. <laughs> and now, Menage so, art. It is fabulous. You got a model, you got a writer, and you got an artist. What, what else do we need? We, we're a dead. dinosaur. We we don't have a dinosaur. Mm. I am pretty old though, so I can probably oh, do shut it. up. <laughs> Look, okay, look, my, my, you're, I believe you're the same age as my older brother. You're actually younger than he is because he's January. So if you have to be way older than my older brother to be considered old in like my mind. So I was like, I can just make you both feel old by just being like, I'm 20. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) The fuck. You go drink your wine. (laughs) In ghetto neighborhoods, I'm old enough to be your mom. Right. So there you go. So I so what makes a good character that you think ap- appeals to people, whether this is a protagonist or an antagonist? Because it it was an interesting conversation that I was having uh, where somebody pointed out that they think that villains are really getting praised and almost in the wrong way um, because they're just usually the thing that draws us into a story. So w- what makes a good character? And, you know, we can ask Claire about visuals and we can ask Erica here about, you know, the personality Claire what makes a good character well for me visually I think it's all about silhouette um for me I think it's important that each character has their own silhouette almost in like traditional animation sense where if the character's standing lean and tall generally it's the hero and um you know you want their counterpart to be a different silhouette generally for some reason villains are always like really skinny and kind of like effeminate I don't know why um, like if you look at like Jafar or something, you know, like his silhouette against Aladdin are totally different. Um, so for me, I see like the simplicity of the silhouette, but you should be able to tell the characters what they are and who, like their personality by just the way they're standing. So I think it's all about just like communicating the personality of the character effectively makes Ooh. a good character. That's a really good answer. I know. I like just be a professor. All I could think of when you said when you were talking about you know this like super skinny person, all I could think of was like the Riddler versus Batman. Mm. You know, Batman, this big beefy, you know, like triangle, you know, torso, 
and then the Riddler, who's this sort of like skinny, scrawny kind of guy. So does that make Peters, Dr. Peterson, the, the villain in our book? I guess so. But you know what's weird about, like, villains in here? That now I'm thinking about, like, the Riddler and Batman. It's kind of like Batman's just like, oh, I'll punch you, and then I win. But then the Riddler's just, like, more about intelligence. I think villains are more intelligent than heroes. Because heroes just Well, not- often. I mean, that's actually, like, one of the signs of um, when they start... St- uh, I think it's either... I'm not sure if it's psychopaths or sociopaths. They find that they tend to be highly intelligent. Yeah, like, I'm just thinking... They need to manipulate people, so... They need to be able to manipulate people, and to do that, you need to know a lot. Like, I wouldn't say Batman's smart. I would say he's a really great detective in comparison to, like, someone like the Riddler, who I, I'd see as more as, like, an intelligent character. Hmm. Maybe so is it, like, book smart versus street smart kind of thing? Yeah, kind of in a way. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe the hero has to be almost street relatable to be relatable to more people, because I think more people... Um, are brought up in not, like, a highly super, like, oh, super education-y thing, kind of like the Riddler is more about um, being confined to more of, like, a higher standard of education, where it's, like, Batman, it's all about, like, what you know, you could learn it yourself kind of deal. So I think that's more relatable in a way, where it's, like, you could become a hero. I don't know. I don't know. I I have to say, I don't think Iron Man is relatable at all. Oh, no, I hate (laughs) Iron Man. (laughs) That's true. He's just fun, you know, but he's just, I mean, it's the same as Batman. I don't find them relatable. Yeah, I don't dress up at night and run around. Well, I do, but just not in, like, <laughs> bad outfits. <laughs> well, it's like, I always think about heroes. It's like when they're sitting there being like, who do you want to be? And it's like, I'm just trying to imagine Batman, like, sewing bat ears or something. Being like, <laughs> it would be great for a grown man to have giant bat ears coming off the top of their head. It's kind of like the most ridiculous. Yeah, if you think about it, it's really fucking ridiculous. Like, you look at the old Captain America where he had those little, like, wings. His winglets? Like, and you look at Namor. Namor, even though they put pants on him, he still has, like, the wings. The little wings on his ankles. Why, Namor? Well, doesn't that come from, like, Greek art or something? Or Roman? I know Hermes. Yeah. Yeah, but But I don't know why. How that helps you swim, though. Isn't he like? Isn't Namor like the son of Poseidon, though? I don't really know. Or is that that Aquaman? Am I mixing my? Am I mixing my? You might be mixed up. I think you might be mixed. I I because Namor, I think, is a mutant. Oh, that's right. Namor's a mutant, and then um, and Aquaman, Arthur, is I think the the son of Poseidon or something. Aquaman is just Aquaman. That's he's blonde and wears an orange shirt (laughs) and green panties. You might as well at that point. <laughs> no one's taking you seriously. You might as well just rock green panties. <laughs> I like, you know, I'm all for Namor and Nespito because I, what, I can't remember who the artist was. It might, it might have been Dale Eaglesham um, that it was it drew Namor in the shower. I was happy. <laughs> you know who I was happy about? And I'm so pissed that this book got canceled last year or the year before. It was uh, James Asmus and Clay, Clay Mann's Gambit. Gambit oh, I one. never saw that. Gambit number one. Gambit is in the shower, and he comes out of the shower, and it, Clay Mann draws a nice-looking Gambit. He draws him a little thicker than usual. Like, he draws him, like, a little more broad-shouldered and not as, like, lithe as Gambit usually is. But he still draws him tall and handsome, and he doesn't give him weird nipples. So, it's... 
You got, come on, you got to admit, there are some people that just draw weird things on people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think about it. I'm like, have I ever really, like, actually drawn nipples? I mean, I guess. <laughs> Do you only draw clothed people? Well, no, like, I've taken figure drawing classes yeah. where you've, like, drawn nipples. I think, no, I've only ever drawn one dick in one of my comics <laughs> and one set of nipples. <laughs> and it wasn't Winston Churchill's dick. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> Thank goodness. Well, I always make the stick at conventions of putting that comic in the front and, like, kids are picking it up and there's just, like, a two-page spread and there's, like, kind of a giant dick in it. And it's like, oh, I need to remember not put that comic in the front. <laughs> it's like some cosmic space odyssey and then there's a, a dick It's a it. cosmic dick space odyssey. <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> is there any other type? I know, right? 2001 of Space Odyssey is just all about dicks. God. Pretty much, yeah. Our existential stuff is just total bullshit. Oh, I think we've learned from Erica Moen that dicks can sell. There you go. Yep. Dicks will definitely sell. Maybe I should start making like, maybe, yeah. you know, screw all the comics I'm making. I'm just going to do comics about dicks. <laughs> should be more. There should be more. Because we got a lot of boobs already. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. Can we put something more on uh, What's Her Face on Starfire? Because it's still... Why, Starfire? Well, I don't know about you, but if I was a superhero, I just want to thong in some nip tassels. Just, like, call it a day. You know? There's only well, one There's only one superhero that I know of that is more effective not wearing any clothes, and that's Rogue. Mm, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And she's always fully, fully covered. Always fully covered, like head to toe. I, I mean, she's the type of person who should be fighting in a bikini. Right. Yeah. The only character I can really think of who, like, owns their, like, boobage would be, like, Power Girl. Like, now, I don't think she has a boob window anymore, but she seems like the character who would totally have a boob window all the time. Well, now, Power Girl, I think she does now. No. Okay. I mean, I think that, I think for, I don't think it lasted very long. I think it might have been, like, two or three issues. <laughs> they had her in a full bodysuit. They 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 redesigned her for the new fifty two and had her in a full body suit and that did not last. Well, there was something about her saying about how she want the 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 whole cut out the boob window was basically because she was always looking for something that she wanted. She wanted a symbol like Superman had a symbol and Batman had a symbol. Yeah, she didn't want Superman's symbol. She didn't want his. So she wanted a cleavage symbol. <laughs> Yeah. It was the titty symbol. That's what it was. Well, and that was the thing. With this one-piece outfit, they actually had a logo for her at that point. Was it a big PG? But a... It was kind of, yeah, it was a, kind of like a big P with a weird, like, dot in the middle or something. It, was, it, was, it wasn't great. And it was just, the fans just completely, I guess, rejected it. Because I think the, uh, the suit ended up, like, torn off in an issue, and she went back to her old style. What's this about, about... There was a comment. I saw something really quickly on Twitter about how Wonder Woman is going to be more "quote unquote" mainstream. Like, what the hell is that? What was that all about? I was like, "What's that even mean?" Well, you know what I'm talking gets, about. Uh, mainstream. Yeah, this gets back to the little snarky ass remark I made about being married to somebody <laughs> in the business. <laughs> um, David Finch, who has been very successful, and you know. For a long time, um, is that's right. His wife is going to be his writing. wife. Yes, his wife. He got put on Wonder Woman as the artist, and they decided to hire his not very experienced wife as the writer. And not to say that you can't writer, writers have 
you know, usually some range. You should, you need to be, you need to be diverse. But her background right now is that she wrote for Zenoscope, a couple of one shots. So Zenoscope is not like a literary fountain. Um, so, and his particular style is like the, you know, his pictures have like the thong up the ass version of the, the wonder suit. That's not how you like, you know, rock your superhero outfit. Like, not she, normally, no. My, because, I, she, like, Amber's got an awesome Wonder Woman outfit. <laughs> yeah, I have, like, three different versions now. I mean, the, and you have the jacket, too, that you were doing, which was fucking awesome. So, yeah. I mean, I, because I, it's one of those things where I just every year want to make something different, but I always need to be Wonder Woman. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just always make something different. Um so I just made the, the Grecian gown one. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, so people are, are really pissed because in this interview, this the couple was, they were both in, interviewed at the same time. And they said, well, you know, we really like what Azarello and Chang did and we don't want to ruin what they did. Well, we're gonna. So there's going to, we're going to kind of just take some of their elements so that the continuity stays intact and then we're going to make her more mainstream. So I think they're like, I, I think they were doing very mythological stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I think they're going to be bringing her more into like American city yeah, type. Cause I read thing. some of it and it was all really based on like mythology. Yeah. And stuff. that's why I read it. Cause I'm like, because it required research and education. Yeah. I don't know that they're necessarily. <laughs> it was really good. good though. I'm sad to see it kind of go. That makes well, me sad. You know, teams change. Teams teams change every year or so. Or with DC, it's usually every couple months. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of impressive that they lasted this long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've had a really long run on it. Yeah. That it was very strange. I mean, very few of their teams stay stay on a book that long. Mm-hmm. You know, like Snyder and Capullo might be it. I think. Sure. Yeah. Right. So that's uh, so that's that's where that. Um, the notion of her not being mainstream or whatever came from. Uh, I feel like that's just bringing the character back to its root, like in a purer sense, instead of just being like white, like kind of like whitewashing it over and make it simpler. I feel like a lot of times when people want to make things mainstream, they just kind of dumb it down. And I think people want more substance in like comics or in like any media. Like I think you could just prove that on TV like, all the shows that are popular now actually have, like, substance to it. It's not just, like, The Real Housewives or something. And, well, I think that might be one of the fears. But the other thing is that, you know, here's this woman who's going to be the writer of the most iconic female character in all of comics. Yeah. And she said, Wonder Woman's not a feminist. I missed that one. Oh, great. Yeah. So she's like, she's for, like, she doesn't know what feminist is because then she started sort of saying something about, like, equal, you know, equalism or humanism. And, like, no, you need to just stop talking or, you know, you're going to be quoted all over Twitter. And that's precisely what happened. Well, yeah. Like, Kate Lass actually made a parody comic about this interview. (laughs) Oh, my God. Kate's so, on that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was like within an hour. It was out. I had just like scanned Twitter and I saw like I was just like, oh, I'm kind of confused. Like, what is going on? And then I thought, and then somebody's response was, oh, because Azarello 
and Cliff Chang are doing something that's so not mainstream, you know, what the fuck? And I'm like, wow, people are really pissed. So I just yeah. wanted to know, like, what the big uh, hubbub was about. That was it. I think it was a uh, CBR story. Okay. Probably. If I'm not mistaken, I could probably, let's see, because I pasted it into my feed. So, uh, yeah, Comic Book Resources has the story. <sighs> well, you know, I'm going to give her a shot. I, I hope she's very successful on it, and I hope she does the character justice. I hope she does research on it. And she, she, wherever she takes the character, she does it with knowledge of canon. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's you know? about as politically correct as I can be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope she doesn't fuck it up. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, can say it, because, I mean, come on. It's just a very interesting situation for for a couple reasons and you know and she might be a very good writer i don't know i haven't read her zenoscope well, books i have a question how do you guys feel about a couple working on a comic together oh i think it's great mm-hmm. aj and i would aj is basically reads all the m3 scripts before they go to print and we want to murder each other so i wouldn't if i were getting paid to write a book I would not want to work with AJ because he himself is an artist and a writer. So between the two of us, like we each come to the table with very staunch opinions. And then it's, and then I turned around and was like, well, this isn't your book. <laughs> and that's like my only leg to stand on. He's like, okay, yeah, it's technically not my book, but at the same time, um, yeah, your book's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> his whole thing is like I'm just trying to make it better Erica and I'm like yeah well well, well that doesn't mean that, shut up <laughs> smell I don't like you <laughs> you know like that's, that's like my awesome comeback like you get the couch like that's my comeback <laughs> I would love it I need, I need to date an artist again who's willing to work with me the last one wasn't I mean that's why I think I think your relationship with your artist needs to be more than a friendship, obviously, because, I mean, like, I adore Vicente, and who, who's the artist on M3, and he's just, he's, like, a dad and a friend and, like, a big brother and all these amazing, and a mentor and all these amazing things. But there are days that, like, we'll go back and forth on email, and I can tell that we want to kill each other because we're both trying to be, like, really kind to each other, but I can tell that he's, like, used the translation program because he's, like, cursed at me in Spanish. <laughs> like I know it I can feel it I'm like just write it in Spanish motherfucker just just do it <laughs> so yeah what about you Claire did you say if you would you would work with a partner um I wouldn't Pro- no no because I'm just thinking about it, it's like okay well I don't have a boyfriend or anything right now but I'm just thinking about it, it's like working with like a family member or Anything like my most, I guess, successful like collaborations working with each other or working with people that we go from like a working relationship then to a friendship. I think it's hard to go from friendship to working, but being okay with like giving up control to a certain point. Because I have worked on comics with my friends before and it hasn't ended well. I can I can understand that. So it's easier. So you, you know, it's easier to start as, yeah. as associates for. Mm-hmm. There's like I don't know. You yeah. kind of know your place more. 
than like with friends where it's like, oh, well, do I be honest or no? Or like, I don't know. It's for me, it's like too much things to question that it's just overwhelming. And I mean, I figure in relationships, you already have enough baggage that you don't need to bring a comic book in, but and you know, have you done a book with with Paige? Um, we've tried because we, I think one summer we started like developing kind of like a kids comic story, but we've never really gotten that far. Like other than just like some character designs, but we've never like worked together on anything really. But since like, you guys are twins, do you have the like the brain share? Oh, I guess kind of. I mean, the one that's good is that we're both artists is that like, if I'm having trouble with something, I can just be like, well, what do you think? And she'll just tell me if it's straight up was like, no, that's a horrible idea or something. <laughs> That sucks. Well, no, because I don't want to work on something that sucks. I'd rather someone be like, no, you have your head up your ass. That does suck. Um, and with her, it's like she comes up to me and is like, oh, what do you think of this, like, illustration? I mean, our stuff is pretty different because she mostly does fantasy stuff, and I mostly do, like, sequential work. But I think the good thing about it is, like, I can help add more narrative to her work, and she can help. She's, I think she's much more better technically at drawing than me. So sometimes she can help me with, like, perspective and things like that. Because I'm just, those, like, aren't my thing. Yeah, so. three-point perspective. perspective. Yeah, no, I took so many of those drawing classes where they're like, sit outside and draw this building three-point perspective. And I was like, I do not give two shits about this. <laughs> and I used to get my ink out, and I was like, see, it's in three-point perspective. It's just, like, abstract or something. And just walk away. <laughs> I did college. Where did you go to school for art, um, or didn't you? I, no, I did. I went to Montclair State University. It's in New Jersey. Uh, We're it's all like, New Jersey, honey. Oh, well, I don't know these things. Um, it's like Rutgers' awkward step-cousin of colleges. Um, <laughs> so I went there. I originally went to be an art teacher, but that didn't last very long. And then I just did illustration, because that's what I wanted to do when I grew up, so... But I didn't make comics until, like, halfway through college. So. That's cool. Montclair, Montclair, you said, right? Yeah, it's in Montclair, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I model up at that museum once in a while. It's a nice place. Yeah. It's, Montclair's really, really nice. It's just really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everything is expensive. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I guess that's why rich people live in. It's a, it's an okay place to get lost <laughs> because I've seen some amazing, ridiculous, like, mansions and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I got lost in somewhere in Morris Township a couple weeks ago, and I had to just, like, stop and take pictures of some of these driveways with the big gates on mm-hmm. them. Colbert uh, lives in Montclair. Who does? Colbert. Colbert. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I was just, like, I would take pictures of these, like, giant things and tweet them and just go, guys, I'm lost where rich people live. And somebody, what's funny is that somebody told me that that happened to them. Like their car had a flat tire and they were waiting for AAA uh-huh. and that residents called the police on them because they looked suspicious. Yeah. Okay. I used to date a guy who, who now this is re- literally going 20 years ago. I dated a guy in high school who lived in Alpine. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Alpine. No. Alpine is in Bergen County, and it's where fucking rich people live. And when I say <laughs> fucking rich people, I mean the house that this guy lived in was his parents bought from Eddie Murphy. Well, it's so yeah, this it's so rich that I've never even heard of this, and I have 
I used to work in the <laughs> government. I used to know all the towns. Yeah. So it's I've, like a secret code place, like you, you know, like the Bat Cave. Like I know, I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time, Alpine. Now, like I said, twenty years ago, Alpine didn't have um, numbers on the houses because if you didn't know which house you were going to, you shouldn't be there. They probably had names. You know, they probably had all those, like, awesome names, like on Royal Pains, which is set in the Hamptons. <laughs> like, come to Shadow Pond. Exactly. The, 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 the estate of stones. Exactly. Like, all these, like, ridiculous. So, I used to have him pick me up every single time. Like, I would drive as far as the railroad tracks, because that's where he knew to get. And then he would have to drive his dad's Mercedes to the railroad tracks. To then, like, drive me back because he would be like, it's the house with the five pillars, Erica. I'm like, every fucking house on this block has five pillars, Andrew. (laughs) Rich motherfucking people. I do remember one thing, though, about the house was that they had this bathroom on the first floor that the entire room was mirrored. That's creepy. Yeah, well, it was Eddie Murphy's house, so it was Eddie Murphy's creepy, (laughs) creepy, weird mirror thing. And... But he liked looking at himself taking a poop from every angle. <laughs> that if you were at the house and we were having it's high school, you're having a party, you have a couple of drinks, you go to the bathroom, the back of the door was mirrored too. That's even weirder. You didn't know how the fuck to get out. Oh my god. So <laughs> at any given time at one of Andrew's, you know, parties during high school, you would hear somebody screaming, crying, pounding on the door, something, because they didn't know how to get out of the bathroom. Because I expect this to be material in one of the revenge issues now. <laughs> that, it won't be. It won't be. Terrifying. <laughs> but you know what? The next when we do when we do uh, Richard Nixon and the Time Machine and Dinosaurs, <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way to put that in. Okay. That's a deal. Some that's, poor that's how the Watergate scandal broke, is when he couldn't get out of the... Couldn't get out of a bathroom. <laughs> exactly. That's how Watergate broke. Oh, that's being such a bitch to draw. I, hey, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> you had to bring up a mirrored bathroom, Erica. God damn it. You know, that's why God invented Photoshop. You draw it once, then you flop it, then you keep flopping it, and, and no, then... No, that's keep... eating. <sighs> I would re- seriously draw it several times. I wouldn't do it on Photoshop. I know. I know. That's how you roll. Yeah. You're old school, man. I am. <laughs> I'm a cranky old lady. She uses a brush, man. Do you use a brush or are you using like a Cintiq or something? No, I use a brush. Fuck Cintiq. I don't have money. <laughs> Who do you think I am? <laughs> I just on iMac and I feel like I'm like, oh my God, I'm so ahead of the game. I'm in the future. Like, look at this screen. It's so large. I can like use Photoshop and it won't crash my computer. Oh my gosh. Mind you, I'm working on, like, a 10-year-old bamboo that's, like, a 4 by 6 and I got on eBay for, like, 20 bucks. Yeah, that's about the – yeah, mine's pretty small, too, and I'm, I'm like, terrible with it. At work, I have, like, a huge, like, 9 by 12 Wacom. It's, like, oh. enormous, and I love it, and it's great, and it's like, why won't you fit in my bag? <laughs> <laughs> I want to take you home with me. You know, but here at home, I've got this, like, tiny little piece of shit. But you know what it does? I mean, for the amount of artwork that I actually do and for the graphic design work and stuff that I do, it works fine. I don't need to – I'm not doing anything crazy. But, you know, if I if I had money to burn, I'd get a Cintiq just to practice on. 
But if I had money to burn, I would buy Clara's antique. I would just burn yeah. money. <laughs> <laughs> and I still drink her box wine. Burn money. You wouldn't. She would have money and still drink that wine. I, was say, I You wouldn't you. buy a better bot. You wouldn't buy an actual bottle of wine. You would just buy a fucking box. To no, keep buying more boxes. Just crush the box and you're done. <laughs> but just she could buy even more Dr Pepper. <laughs> True. True. You know, and then die an early death from you know malnourishment, diabetes. <laughs> well, how do you, how does pe like how do people get sponsors? Like how do you get a sponsor from Dr Pepper? Do you like? No. Do you uh, tell I, the I Dr Pepper people that my friend trolls them on Facebook all the time? Dr Pepper. Yeah, because it'll be like. If you like it on Facebook, it always comes up and it's like, a Dr. Pepper goes great with. And she's always like, dick, dick, dick. <laughs> Greatest part is when you click the comments, everybody writes that. Dick and penis. And, or they'll be like, human feces. And then sometimes someone will be like, a hamburger. It's quite amazing. Dr. Pepper is great to like rinse out that like post blow job. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. I say she's got a fancy one too. She's got like fancy vanilla salt root beer thing. Yeah, it's a Dr Pepper vanilla float. It's, it's a vanilla float. Yes, fancy. And you're it's like, a can. You're like super fancy. I know you can only get them at Target, so I have to go to Target to get them after work. Because <laughs> that's what you do when you work retail. You get sad and go buy Dr Pepper after work. <laughs> you know what? I got to be honest. Right. When I worked retail, I used to work at the Gap. And um, the one thing that always killed me was that it was the same fucking eight songs that would play over and over and over again. And when you were working like a like a 12 hour shift, if you're a poor college student like I was and working 12 hour shifts just to like be able to get like work for beer money. Um, yeah, that was like the worst eight songs over and over and over again. And it had this like special player. So it's not like you could just like take a boom box and like plug it in and be like, yo, we're going to like rock out like this cool mixtape from 1995. No, it didn't work. I need to be like corporate approved nonsense. We're not even allowed to have music. It's just dead silent. Oh boy. It's probably, it might be better. I do have to say though, that when that one of the songs on the tape was stuck in the middle with you and then, (laughs) and reservoir dogs comes out and, I would just bust out laughing because even if people hadn't seen it, all I could think of is Michael Madsen singing into an ear that he had just cut off some Tuesdays. <laughs> so that was that was actually that would get me through twelve hours of folding jeans. I always told myself I'd never work in a clothing store because of the folding. It's like, not bad. No, but it's like no, you know when you go to a dressing room there's always that asshole who just leaves a pile of clothing? They're like, oh, fuck all these jeans, I don't need them. We'll leave them on the floor. Uh, I'd be like, I wouldn't be able to deal. I'd rather clean up animal poo or something. I actually got a really big surprise one day when I had to clean up that pile. Was there uh-oh. Was there a baby? No. <laughs> Somebody decided that it would be really great to jerk off on a PK polo. Ew. Yeah. I guess my mom can't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. You're, if your parents ever meet me, they're going to, like, want my head on a pike. Uh, they're going to be like, you've completely destroyed our lovely daughter, making her draw things with dinosaurs and Winston Churchill. And... <laughs> they don't really know, like, what I'm working on. They'll be like, what are you working on? They'll be like, I don't know, comics or something. I don't know. <laughs> so they get away. I just put it on my website, and they're like, oh, I saw your new comic. I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's about a moon or something. I don't know. <laughs> 
(laughs) But the new comics, see, this is one thing that I really love about Claire's work, is that she, there's something very important about sequential art and art in itself telling a story without words. And that's one thing that you'll hear a lot of editors say, if you're an artist, it's, you don't always have to match up with a writer because it would be great if you can tell a story simply without words. And a lot of Claire's comics are wordless comics, and it just tells a beautiful story, like the latest one with the moon, and it's in color, and it's gorgeous. Thanks. And you've got, um, and what, wait, there was one that I was just reading, not, was it The Last Outpost that I just read? That's a newer one, yeah, probably. The Last, and the last Outpost has no, has no words. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that though from editors. They, that's exactly what they say is you know the the book should be able to to stand well, like, without. I hate when words and the pictures match up perfectly because I think you're just like unless you're specifically like reiterating a fact to like you know punch it home. I hate when it's like I'm sad and then the picture is of a sad person. <laughs> like that just grinds my gears. Like no tomorrow. So if somebody says that they're sad, you want to see, like, the empty scotch glass. Yeah, like, I don't know, something that adds more to the narrative. Like, I don't need, unless it's like, oh, it's a crime scene, you need to reiterate the evidence or something by showing, like, maybe photographs of the evidence after the crime has happened. Like, okay, cool. But it's like, if you're reiterating the fact, then it's like, then just give me the words or give me the picture. I don't need both. Like, give me more. I don't know. That's my pet peeve. But I don't really see that that much, like, with, like, you know, like professional comics. It's kind of just, like, I don't know, shit I see floating around. What? But that is wise advice. It is. No, it it is. It is very wise advice. One thing that I, I mean, I, I go to a lot of panels, and, and I try to talk to a lot of editors and stuff. And um, one thing that I that I did kind of learn, and this isn't, you know, and people kind of crucify me when I say this, but when you go to talk to editors, if you're an artist, you will have an easier time simply because an editor can look through your portfolio and within three pages, they're going to know whether or not they want to hire you. Mm-hmm. If you are a writer, they are not going to sit down and read a script. And one of the things that I had learned, I mean, when I went to San Diego last year, I went and I was so like, studious like I took notes in every panel and all this other stuff and then at the end of the the trip I typed up this like whole big packet and I sent it out to a bunch of my friends of all the different notes that I took in panels and uh one of the things that I I had gone to the Marvel panel the uh you know Breaking into Comics the Marvel way and I had had a script that I had written for Captain America and I also had a script that I had written for Talon, which is a DC character, and I was going to, you know, try and pitch it to somebody at the DC panel. And I go to the Marvel panel first, and the first words out of Axel's mouth is, nobody wants to read a script if you're a writer. And I'm sitting there going, fuck, I have been <laughs> carrying around like <laughs> 20 pounds of fucking paper in my bag, and nobody wants to read a script. Fantastic. Luckily... The other 20 pounds in my bag were copies of M3. Uh, so, well, that's good. I'll just hand those to him. And, um, and, and, you know, he made a very good point. He said, look, if you're a writer, find an artist on DeviantArt. Uh, maybe yeah. you can get the artist to work for nothing, or maybe you just pay the artist something nominal and get them to, to do up a couple of pages. Even if it's a five-page story, as long as you can show a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's coherent – then it's going to show your writing ability. 
And that's the important thing. They want to see what you can write. And if you have range, great. I mean, when when we get the uh, copies of uh, Churchill on Thursday, I already told you, Claire, I'm going to package them up and mail, uh, mail out half to you. When we get the copies on Thursday, I'm going to send a copy to my editor at Marvel so she can, A, think I'm batshit crazy, <laughs> and B, so she can see I have range. Right, because you could handle Deadpool if you can write Churchill traveling through time with dinosaurs. Well, there you go. Then maybe she'll turn around and say, hey, we've got a Deadpool one-shot, or maybe write us a one-shot for Deadpool. Hell yeah! I'll take it. (laughs) Yes, you're laughing at the dinosaurs. You drew them! That's true. It's It's probably the funniest thing I've ever drew is that book. Like, I usually don't do funny things. My favorite was, was the dance scene. The dance. Yeah. That was probably my because I just wrote it as like just make it some weird like interpretive native dance thing. <laughs> I don't fucking know. And well, that was probably my so favorite. Much, so much weird dance theater in college. Because <laughs> like my sister when she was before she an illustrator she was a theater design student so she okay. designed all these dance costumes so I just sit through like this weird dance recital thing and then I saw like a weird dance interpretive art so I was just like oh, I'm just gonna put all that weird shit into dinosaur dancing like there's like a dinosaur playing the bongos in the background like who the fuck comes up with this shit Claire finally does I didn't write a dinosaur in the background playing the bongos I was all <laughs> the honest reason I put them to him in the background was because I was like I need to put something in the background so it looks like I drew more <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Erica to think I'm phoning it in. Yeah. I didn't want to think it like a wall that I ink washed. I was like, I'll put dinosaur playing drums. It'll be adorable. It's awesome. But what yeah. Did you, did you put a sound effect in for him tapping too, right? Yeah, but um but um bum but um but um bum but um but now it's in my head. I'm dancing. I'm dancing. Oh yeah. Dinosaur dance. Dinosaur, dinosaur dance. dance. Dinosaur cosplay. Dinosaur. Oh, my God. So much <laughs> Look at all the bronies. We're going to start dinosaur cosplay. Oh, my God. If somebody comes up to us on a show and they're dressed as a dinosaur and then another dude dresses once in Churchill, I will That'd fucking freak out. That'd be awesome. That, that should be done. The greatest thing. Well, I, I told Claire, I was like, you know, you really need to start putting, like, submitting stuff to the Eisners and stuff. And I, th- this is going to be our Eisner book, man. Next yeah. week, the Eisner's January, we are submitting this. This is going to be the Eisner Award. This is going to be like the top seller of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, where can, well, you were just saying that you're getting a shipment in. So how will consumers be able to get this? Um, Claire, you can put it on your website. Yeah. I'm going to talk to my web dude and see if I can't get it on vicespress.com, which is the uh, vices press is the, uh, uh, the little moniker that we publish M3 under. So I'm going to try and see if I can't get my, my web dude to put it up on that. Um, but we, we will be posting, you'll, you'll definitely have it on your site. And we turned around and submitted it to comiXology. Mm-hmm. So with any luck, comiXology would be like, okay, it's, it's ready. And then people can also get it at comiXology. Yeah. So within the next six months, they'll probably be on Comixology. I, you know, I I have to say, I I really, the guys at Comixology have been very, very helpful when it comes to the technical issues with getting my stuff on there. But Comixology has approved M3 issues one through nine, and they only just released M3 issue three. Mm -hmm. And it's a little frustrating. Well, but the one thing I do appreciate about it is there's a lot of quality control. 
because I feel like it could really get out of hand by, like, certain books that people are submitting. So I appreciate the quality control, but holy shit, it takes forever. Yeah, it does take forever. Yeah. That's probably why they're always hiring. Yeah. They need need more people. They need some programmers to be like, oh, God. Exactly. And I'm, but I'm assuming you'll also have like the print copies that shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm gonna be at Boston. You're gonna be. I'm gonna be at Boston and Baltimore. You're gonna be at SPX, right? Yes. And what other shit? Oh, I'm also doing a show in, um, in Morristown in August. It's a one-day show in Morristown, in August, and uh, the Garden State Comic Com- the Garden State Comic Fest, I believe, and uh, that's gonna be. We'll have it there too. I hope to like have to. I hope we like sell out before the cons even show up, man. Yeah, no, me too. I think it's gonna sell really well. Like when I got print copies of Chickens, I literally had them for like less than a month, and I sold out of like a huge stack of them. That's awesome. Generally, when anything I have in print, it usually sells out. So I think that's good. And I I, I purchased the double page spread of the epic fight, the epic battle that I'm. Yeah. I'm pretty she impressed. pressured me into her giving me money. Oh, what are you talking about? You have that up on your wall. I it will it will go up. I have the cover already on my wall. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to move some things around because my wall I've got so I've got a bunch of Chris G. Russo's art because I love Chris G. Russo. So I have a bunch of his art. I then have. A portrait of me. What'd you say? I said then a portrait of me. Then a portrait of her. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've got you know I've got the. Uh, the Churchill cover. I've got some of the M3 art that was in the uh, first trade uh, done by Joel Adams and uh, J. David Spurlock had done something. Chris Russo did an M3. Uh, and I've got some uh, Dawn Griffin artwork and uh, some Mina Sandwall. And my ex-fiance from college drew me as a superhero way, way back in 1997, and I still have that framed. And then I have an original Rick Parker of Batman with a Giant Schlong reading a Batman magazine. (laughs) (laughs) If you know Rick Parker, you understand. No, no, I don't. don't You don't know Rick Parker? No. You don't? Oh, Rick Parker used to, I don't believe he worked directly with Harvey Picar, but he knew Harvey Picar and he has. Oh, well, that that explains. He has a very Harvey Picar style. And Rick was a letterer for Marvel for like nine billion years, and he's just fantastic. And he did a bat. He drew me a Batman reading Batman, and Batman just has a giant freaking schlong. <laughs> I, I didn't ask him to draw me a Batman with a giant penis, but he Rick just happened to do it. I, I can imagine he would have done like a really great, you know, Jareth from Black. <laughs> oh my no. god. It was it was Batman. I think because at the time I had just finished working on Batman with uh, with the studio that I work at, so I think that's why. Because I think Batman was on the top was on on the brain. So sweet. Well, where um, what are your links and stuff? So you said Vices Press. Vices Press. What other what other links do you, do you have going so that people can follow you and stalk you on stuff? Was it Claire uh, Connolly Comics? Yeah, Erica, you can just sell me for me. You know, you got that shit covered. Uh, yeah, mine's Claire Connolly Comics. And then all my links, like my Twitter and stuff, there's all links on there to click and super easy words. 
And I'm just, uh, we have vicespress.com, which we're going to try and get the Churchill up. We have uh, m3comics.com, which is where you can find all the M3 stuff. And we, and you can follow me on Twitter at ericaschultz42. If you don't like the sauciness of some of the things that I say, because it is kind of incendiary, uh, <laughs> You can you can just go to uh, facebook.com slash m3 comics and uh, you can follow where you know where we'll be for conventions and stuff like that. So that's cool. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. I'm so glad that uh, we worked out schedules and stuff and could do this all together. Thank you. I, I like I always love talking to Amber. She's fun. <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully I'll get to I'll be running into you then in like Boston and maybe this Morristown thing that I didn't even know about. Yeah, it's it's New York. It's GardenStateComicFest.com, and it was they had done a one day show in like up near like Mount Olive kind of, and they did a one day show in January and the guys were really really nice and then they had this one day show in August and they asked me if I wanted to be part of it. I was like, yeah, you know. You guys were really nice. It was a cool day. Everybody got to hang out. So you should definitely check it out. That sounds awesome. Um, cool. And um, so you guys, you can you can follow me at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter. And AmberOnMass.com has the, all of the blog posts and stuff. All kinds of stuff. And the website was just completely redone. So now it's all pretty. You figured um, out the WordPress thing? Yeah, basically because there was no, uh, there was a PHP update that wouldn't work with my theme. The only way around, I had no access to my dashboard for days. Oh, Jesus. Works so hard. Yeah. So, uh, so the hosting company installed like a generic, you know, 2014 uh, WordPress theme. And that just, you know, obliterated the script of my, my theme altogether so that I could go in and then create a new theme. So I... I purchased one instead of using a free one and crossed my fingers because once you, you know, I purchased files, there was no refund policy on that, that if it didn't work, I was screwed. So, um, so it didn't take me long though. I was surprised. I was expecting it to be like a week and it was only a couple days. Okay. Well, that's not bad. Uh, yeah. So next time you guys go to amberonmath.com, it's all pretty and redone. Yay. It's a re- it's like the new 52 relaunch. It is better. You should better. put that up on the front. <laughs> I should. The new 52. The new 52. Because the new 52 member. <laughs> then I would have to have like you know jagged silver armor on on everything. And some lightning. Yeah. That'd be intense. <laughs> it's the opposite of the new 52. It's very feminine. <laughs> <laughs> Whole website redesign. It's all designed around butterflies. Everything else that you see on there is gone. Yeah. The website's about butterflies. Yeah, there's still boobs on there. There's lots. There's plenty of boobs. And on butterflies. There. Yeah. And sometimes boobs with butterflies. Haven't done that yet, but yeah, you never know. Hello. <laughs> I should. Oh goodness, you ladies. Thank you again, and thank you guys for listening. Cheers. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for having us on.